It's your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back for another day. Good stuff coming up on today's show. Phil Miller covers the Twins for the Star Tribune. Joins me here in just a few minutes to talk Twins. Not surprisingly, he's down in Florida. Has been down in spring training for almost a month now, I would think, um, since pitchers and catchers reported in mid-February. And kind of just looking at a team that's that's rounding into shape. He's got some pitching depth, got some possible lineup depth. I'm kind of talking myself into this being a team that could be more competitive than I thought before the offseason started. I think they've made some pretty good moves, including, of course, the Carlos Correa move, which once you get past all the injury risk, obviously makes them better. So Phil and I will talk through the pitching depth, talk through some of the injured, regular, everyday players who you know, where they are in their trajectory, guys like Byron Buxton, uh, guys like Jorge Polanco, um, guys like Alex Kirilov, things like that to see where they might be ready for opening day or perhaps not ready for opening day. So that will be in just a few minutes. We'll get to the Diamond Sports bankruptcy filing at the end of the show. Um, I don't think this is a surprise, but it did come last night finally. And I'll try to contextualize what parts of it I think are interesting and that you need to pay attention to if you are a Bally Sports North watcher, and you know, which means you watch these days the Twins, the Wild, the Wolves, uh, the Lynx, a lot of local teams on that channel and uh, impacted potentially down the road by whatever comes of this. First, though, what did I miss? Gotta start with the Vikings because, man, they kept making news yesterday. I'm not going to go through every single transaction. Instead, I'm going to distill it into something positive. Three things that I thought they did that were really good on Tuesday as they've kind of worked to reshape this roster in free agency and uh, and kind of cut down to on some of their salary cap. Number one, uh, they got a cornerback that looks like he is awfully good. Byron Murphy Jr. coming over from the Cardinals, a deal expected to be worth about $22 million over two seasons. Guy who can play on the inside, guy who can play on the outside, was very good last season, was very good You know, in, in recent years, has kind of rounded out his game. Um, you know, gives Gives Brian Flores maybe... You know, one of those kind of shut down corners, 25 years old, so kind of remaking this defense with some more youth. Um, you know, someone who's experienced but still young to go with a, a younger group of players, a guy who, when when healthy, and no reason to think he won't be, um, definitely gives them a bona fide starter to go with other people that they will they will undoubtedly count on. So, this to this to me, you know, was the was the first move where you look at it and you say, okay, this guy is produced. This guy is is really good. This guy we know can automatically and immediately help the defense. Now, remains to be seen how he gets used, remains to be seen what else gets put around him in that secondary. But that, getting getting Byron Murphy feels like a pretty big win for the Vikings in the secondary, someone they can definitely build around. So that was the first thing I like. That happened late Tuesday um, as we charge towards the start of the new league year officially today and the Vikings needing to be under the salary cap by the start of league year today. Um, probably a lot of these moves going to be official at some point here, but it's going to be kind of some pulling of levers and things like that. And one of those levers that got pulled on Tuesday as well is the second thing I thought was really good. They converted um, part of uh, part of Kirk Cousins' salary to a, a signing bonus, so basically spreading it out over over a number of years kind of creates some potential for a lot of dead money 
in 2024 on Cousins' deal if they decide to move in a different direction. Could be $28 million of dead money on his deal next year. Um, But basically what it does is, at least for right now, it bought them $16 million in cap space in 2023 when they needed it the most and pushed it into the next years where the the cap's going to go up considerably without committing to Cousins beyond this season. I I thought that was really important. I thought they needed to give themselves that flexibility to still not have to get under that number with Cousins before the start of the league year, not have to do an extension with Cousins if they're not ready to do that or if they don't want to do that. If if they're just going to let this year with Cousins play out, that to me was important. So creating that space, still the ability to change this and come to some sort of extension agreement if that's the way they want to go. But I'm of the mind, and I've been of the mind for a while, that they need to move on from Cousins after this coming season just because it feels to me like their timeline is not going to line up necessarily with his timeline. They're in a little bit more of the rebuild now than the competitive part of the rebuild. That was 22. Competitive was 22. Rebuild is 23. Putting some decent players in place right now, getting some things going, trying to revamp that defense. you still got Justin Jefferson. You've still got some pieces to work around on offense, TJ Hawkinson, but... This year kind of feels like a bridge year to the future where it's going to be two or three years probably until they are true contenders, and that's not really lining up with Kirk Cousins' timeline. So you might as well start thinking about your quarterback of the future who's going to be on a rookie contract for several of those years instead of making you know, $35, $40 million against the cap. So that, to me, was important. There could be some pain in 2024 if this is the way they wind up going. When it really accelerates the timeline for coming up with a a plan B for the the future, Um, it might even involve drafting a quarterback this year. It just kind of seems like if they want to have someone ready at the start of the 2024 season who is not Kirk Cousins, they almost have to get that person in place this year. So kind of starts that timeline, but I thought it was a good move. I thought it was a smart move. Puts them in a spot where they don't have to rely, again, on a contract extension for Cousins to get under the cap but gives them that flexibility to sign some players right now, gives them some flexibility going forward. So I thought that was the second thing they did well on Tuesday. Now, the final thing might be a little bit more under the radar, but the Vikings on Tuesday reportedly agreeing to new contract with kicker Greg Joseph and long snapper Andrew DePaulo. So along with um, punter slash holder Ryan Wright, they will go into 2023 with continuity in the kicking game. Um, DePaulo was an an all-pro um, long snapper, so that's that's a kind of a no-brainer. He was a journeyman, but he he's proven himself to be the uh, the long-term answer at a long snapper. Greg Joseph was a good clutch kicker last season, made a lot of big kicks, missed some long ones, but um, was very reliable inside 50 yards. And Ryan Wright, I thought, was very good last year as well. So you know that that piece of it to me was pretty important. You know, just in talking. A couple times in the past with former Vikings kicker Ryan Longwell when the Vikings have had some problems in the punting and the kicking game. That to me, and that to him, was a big part of it was the lack of continuity, keeping changing kickers, changing holders, um, changing snappers, things like that. It's it's kind of this process where you got to get the timing down, gives that group another year to work together and make sure they are getting it right. And any gains you might get from, you know, maybe a, a different, you know, a change at somewhere, I would think kicker would be the one place you'd think about since Joseph did miss some kicks last year and miss some extra points. Any gains you might make or think you might make might be mitigated by the lack of continuity with that group and the continuity now you continue with Greg Joseph. So I thought that was smart. 
Let, let's see this. Let's see this for another year. Maybe this is the, the the kind of the connection that they'll have for years to come, and and that would be a good thing for the Vikings because, like Longwell talked about in the past, when he was here, it was the same operation for six years. It was Cluey as his holder. Um, you know, he had the same he had the same long snapper for six years, Colin Leffler. It was it was very much a smooth thing, and he made a lot of kicks for the Vikings in those six years. So continuity for a kicker, continuity in the kicking game, a big deal. The Vikings got that. They got a they got a corner. They got some flexibility with Kirk Cousins. A pretty good day overall for them on Tuesday. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. I'm joined right now from Florida by Phil Miller, Twins beat writer for the Star Tribune. He's at Hammond Stadium right now. We're recording on uh, Tuesday afternoon split squad action we're in the middle of a game i don't want to give away all the secrets but sometimes the spring games don't mean as much as uh as as the uh, the other games do for sure but uh, phil keep one eye on that to make sure you are covered in wednesday's star tribune as well as wednesday's daily delivery uh phil how you doing in florida doing great uh kind of the dog days right now the the middle part where uh the newness is worn off and uh the ramp up really hasn't uh, quite started yet so uh getting closer though lavelle yeah. arrives this weekend that always uh fires yes. everyone up yes yes it does i'm sure that will i think he gets there saint patrick's day right which is uh merely a coincidence i'm sure yeah I, uh, it's too bad there's not a parade here um <laughs> yeah it looks like one nothing twins after three uh, okay and you're right about the importance of spring games the uh I think the Yankees brought their double A team uh, yeah. down here uh, yesterday because uh, it's a two plus hour drive and there was a threat of rain. So uh, it wasn't exactly Jeter and A Rod uh, <laughs> playing out here. Well, the Twins shut him out to their credit. Um, and we'll get to some of that good starting pitching here in a little bit. You wrote about Bailey Ober the other day and he looked good on Tuesday. But I want to start with <clears throat> kind of some lineup you know, updates as much as you can do. And you know it's just interesting. A lot of a lot of the guys they're going to rely pretty heavily on. We haven't seen much of, if any at all. I'm thinking about guys like Alex Kirilov, Byron Buxton, Jorge Polanco, even and even uh, Jose Miranda, and to a degree Carlos Correa, who's you know been been missing for a certain amount of time as well. Not so much injury related. He's just kind of getting some work outside of you know, spring training games, but you know, that's, we're talking about guys who can factor pretty heavily into the middle of the order, especially with, you know, uh, all those guys, I guess, but injury wise, thinking about Kirilov, Buxton, Polanco, Miranda, where, where do we think kind of one by one, those guys are in their recovery and the the likelihood that they will be ready to go when the bright lights do go on. I am increasingly confident that Byron Buxton and Jorge Polanco will be in the lineup on opening day. Um, they take live batting practice against actual pitchers, most of them big leaguers, uh, five days a week. Uh, um, I've been watching them. Uh, they are they are hitting well. They are uh, locked in. They are doing fielding drills and are just not uh, playing in the games right now. And I 
I, you know, controlled environment is uh, what you keep hearing uh, about them. I, I'm sure the idea was when Buxton came to camp that they were going to wait and wait and wait. You know, if this is a guy that uh, plays only a certain number of games, uh, stays healthy enough, and I think they don't want any of those games to be, or many of them to be in the spring. Uh, I think this was the plan all along. I'm not quite as certain that that they thought Jorge Polanco would uh, would sit out the first three weeks, um, but uh, it, it makes sense. Uh, Buxton had surgery and is, says he's all healed up. Uh, Polanco was on a rest and recovery, and it should heal on its own. And he says it has. He says it feels really good. But same thing, uh, why, why risk it uh, in the field when they don't have to? Um, he is getting uh, um, live at-bats. He is, uh, you know, I saw them turning double plays the other day uh, on on the half field. So I think they're comfortable with, uh, with kind of easing these guys into game action. It would not surprise me if Buxton and Polanco uh, handle 90% of the designated hitter at bats in April. Okay. Um, as they, as they just make sure. Uh, but, uh, I, I think both of them will play opening day. Uh, um, I think, uh, Alex Kirilov, I have a feeling uh, Alex Kirilov may open the season in uh, in AAA at St. Paul if if they bring him north at all. And it's funny because he looks uh, healthy. He has he's taking live at bats like uh, the others, but uh, you know he is he's he's got you know he had very unusual wrist surgery where they right. shaved down the bone. And he still says that there are times when it doesn't feel right. And uh, I think the Twins doctors all say it's, it's a matter of getting the last two years, the pain out of your head and just accepting that this is what it, what it feels like. And it doesn't hurt. He says it doesn't hurt. It's just uh, make, he's trying not to re-injure it. And that uh, seems to be holding him back a little bit. He is not on as daily a schedule as the other two. Um, and you know, the abundance of caution is the, uh, is the twins motto around here. So, uh, he could be ready. I, I, I might be wrong about that, but I sense with, uh, Joey Gallo, uh, playing first base the last couple of days in a row that, uh, they are prepared, let's say for, uh, Kirilov not to be ready. How about Miranda? His is a little bit more of a, just kind of oh. take it easy and rest it. Right. Yeah, he he was uh, he worked real hard to uh, um, get ready for this uh, season. Worked on his fielding. He knew that uh, he was going to be the regular uh, third baseman, and he just some his shoulder just started uh, getting sore on him. Uh, nothing, nothing that he can point to. Just waking up uh, for a few mornings, and it was hurting him. So they are slowing him down, making sure that uh, his shoulder is okay. He is. Throwing again, I saw him throw face to base, so that's ninety feet now. Not at uh, not as hard as he can, maybe uh, uh, half effort uh, to uh, protect it. But he says it's. They now have a schedule where it ramps up, ramps up, ramps up. I would suspect he will play third base uh, sometime next week, and uh, 
And with the idea that he's ready for the season, he has been the hottest hitter at the plate. So it's it's not affecting him uh, hitting wise. Okay, well that's good news for them. Karloff's interesting because you know they he's when healthy and we've only only seen it in little doses, but when healthy, he has the potential to be one of their best hitters, like a number three type hitter. So I feel like a lot of even if a lot of it doesn't necessarily hinge on him being fully healthy, this lineup becomes a lot more potentially dangerous if and when he's healthy. So that's a, that's a big one to me. Yeah, he's the he's the line drive, get on base uh, kind of guy, gap hitter. Uh, they uh, they want him to be standing on second base, uh, uh, you know, once or twice a game. So uh, uh, it's a it is a kind of a a big uh, loss, but they do have a lot of left-handed hitters. Um, they are, uh, I think, I think they're pretty confident that. Um, this is just something, it's almost like a mental thing. It's just something that he needs to get past that it is, uh, it, it's, he's not going to re-injure it and uh, he just has to uh, let loose, which he uh, which he does here and there, but uh, there have been days where he's kind of backed off a little bit and, and uh, asked out of uh, live VP just to, just to be safe. Uh, I, I wish there was something more concrete that we could point no. to to say yeah. that, uh, that that you know this has to heal. But the doctors say this has healed, and that uh, it, it's just a matter of him, uh, you know, letting loose and uh, and feeling confident about it. Well, the only question about the rotation, Phil, is uh, where do you find room for all these guys? This is a much different question than the lineup with a lot of these guys we're wondering about injuries the, the starting rotation looks pretty deep right now and i think you know you jokingly said last time i had you on um that uh you know you fully expect someone will start the the, the year on the injured list and that will create space for someone like a bailey over who had you know who looked very good again tuesday but um you know joking aside the the veterans they have you know joe ryan bailey ober now the, the younger pitchers they've all looked pretty good uh relatively speaking and this the rotational depth um, in terms of quality guys you can turn to, that's that's not always been the case here. It seems like they do have some depth built up here so far this spring. Yeah, and it is spring, and then we have to remind ourselves that it's just spring, and then, of course, it's only spring, and they haven't uh, actually started, yes. and uh, <laughs> we know how things change. But uh, uh, it is true that uh, man for man, all six of their uh, starting pitchers who – seem to deserve a spot of the rotation have looked good and every single one of them has come in throwing harder than uh, they did last year i think that's really an effect of the certainty that we know when camp is going to start and we know how it's going to go and it's going to be a normal camp and uh you know sunny gray is the biggest uh example of this uh he he did not prepare he was he was part of the negotiating team uh, last year and could not work out and ramp up the way he uh, wanted to. Uh, this year he came into camp uh, ready to go uh, um, and uh, throwing harder. Uh, Pablo Lopez has been uh, has been really a revelation. Uh, it's he has looked, I think, even better than the Twins expected. Um, you saw what he did in the WBC uh, the yeah. other day, uh, pitching for Venezuela. I think they're pretty excited about getting him. Uh, Getting him back uh, next week and, uh, and and seeing how uh, how ready he is, 
Uh, and yeah, Bailey Ober has now pitched six innings and has yet to allow a hit. Uh, so I'd say uh, they feel they feel awfully good uh, about it so far. Yeah, I would think so. And some of these guys added some movement, velocity, different pitches in the offseason too, right? Didn't some of them do some of that, some of the fancy mm-hmm. training that the, these guys do? Fancy training is, uh, yeah, I, uh, that's not what the twins call it, but no. uh, yeah, uh, uh, some of them went to uh, drive lines uh, uh, center in uh, suburban Seattle. Um, all of them had uh, coaches working with them this offseason. Um and uh, yeah, I mean, they. It doesn't hurt. I'll say this: it doesn't hurt that Tyler Malley, Sonny Gray, and Kenta Maeda are in the last year of their contracts. Yes. Um, two of them in their thirties, almost mid thirties. Uh, Malley's twenty-eight. Uh, that's going to be a uh, that I. You always want contract years, you know. You always want guys uh, with extra motivation. And I think all three of them uh, show it. Uh, you know, there's there's money out there for quality starting pitching. A big year, big year here would uh, you know set them into the off season pretty well, or uh, get another contract from the Twins. So, um, so yeah, they've got two young guys. They've got uh, three really uh, motivated guys, and they've got Pablo Lopez, who still has another year until the agency. Uh, uh, I do think that's in an injury or something is uh, is inevitable. You know, I keep telling people 14 starting pitchers last year, but uh, uh, right now they go into the season about as uh, set as as they've ever been. A couple more things for you, Phil. One, um, I saw you wrote the other day that Rob Manfred visited the team to kind of talk about how these new rules are playing out so far. And and also they sounds like they asked them about some of the, the RSN stuff too. That was a, a big topic of, co- of conversation. I wonder if you could maybe shed some light on, you know, anything you were able to glean from your conversation with twins players following up from that meeting. Well, it's largely uh, just trying to connect with players, all uh, representatives, all ages, all contract situations, all nationalities. Uh, the, the twins had uh Buxton and Caleb Peelbar, who was the uh, uh, player rep, uh, had Yohan Duran. Uh, they had uh, a kind of a gamut of uh, different uh, players to meet with him, to tell what they think of their rules, um, to uh, and, and mostly just to, to feel like they stay connected because uh, that the commissioner said he came out of the negotiations feeling like uh, the other side uh, were. Uh, enemies and they they you know they need to be working together and i think the the tv deals the the rsns is a good example of that uh the uh baseball's finally waking up to its uh to its tv uh maybe not problem but well it is a problem in some places with the, the blackout rules and all that and now it's so difficult to uh stream uh games in some markets and uh i was interested in the approaching well-rumored bankruptcy uh, of the RSNs, baseball seems very confident that even if uh, even if the uh, Bally's and uh, I think the ATT, AT&T sports nets are also in trouble, yes. if they go down, baseball can just step right in and produce them themselves. It, uh, they seem, they're so open about how ready they are. They, uh, they must... Uh, 
they must have an action plan in place. Uh, and the players were assured that every game that was supposed to be televised will be televised, uh, which is good news for fans. And uh, as players who earn money based on, uh, you know, those RSNs pay a lot of dough to uh, televise baseball games, uh, that'll affect uh, players' salaries as we go forward. I read something interesting the other day. I can't remember where it was, but Manfred talking kind of about if baseball does end up kind of taking over this, taking over the production of these, you know, local games and that it kind of could become a more centralized broadcast approach, things like that, that some of the revenue could also become a little flatter, that it might not be this kind of massive disparity between, you know, what the Dodgers get now and what some of the, the lowest ranking teams get now. I'm not sure exactly how that model would work and whether whether that had to be collectively bargained or not but that sounded interesting to me as something that could you know impact the twins going forward as well it would have to be uh, collectively bargained and uh, uh the players opinion on that would be interesting are they uh, more comfortable with uh uh you know the yankees and the red sox and the dodgers all own the major portions of the, the networks that uh that broadcast them so uh, they're making money less on on uh, rights than they are. They're just running the networks and are collecting uh, uh, advertising revenue. So, um, how they would have to, how they would fold those teams into it uh, would be uh, a good question. But you know, if the model is uh, is the NFL, you know, where teams all shell, share uh, uh, broadcast revenue, uh, that would be great. For, uh, for the teams that uh, you know are in smaller markets and earning less, I have a hard time believing that Red Sox, Yankees, and Dodgers, among others, would allow such a thing, at least uh, to uh, to a flat level. But uh, it, it definitely is something to uh, keep a, an eye on. You know, the commissioner said at a media gathering last month that the model they're looking for is you go to their website, MLB.tv. And you buy whatever it is you want to buy. You buy your team's games. You you buy uh, uh, two teams' games. You buy only Sunday games. You you know you buy a la carte or or buy the season and uh, and you get to watch it. Uh, I think a lot of fans would agree that uh, that's a pretty good thing to uh, shoot for. I would agree. That's a, kind of puts it back in the fans' hands. I got to say. Rob Manfred, I did not like a lot of his early tenure, but he's winning me over a little bit with uh, some of this TV stuff and certainly with some of the rules changes, the pace of play stuff. I mean, that's probably, that has to have been, now that we've had a number of games now, how how noticeable is it for you in particular just to cover a game, to watch a game? Is is the pace noticeable to you? The pace is noticeable in a, uh, uh, I guess in a macro level, but not a micro level. Uh, you do not, watch the game and think three two one come on throw it you do you do not notice if the batter steps out because he always steps right back in you look up in the fifth inning and and only an hour and 20 minutes have gone by and you go wow that has changed uh these twin spring games are almost almost all of them over by 3 30 almost all of them uh, two and a half hours and even sometimes we think kind of dragging a little bit you look up and uh, it's it's really not uh, cumulatively. So I I have been shocked. I I think I assured you on our last uh, podcast talk 
that the players would hate it and the umpires would hate it and the managers would hate it and only the fans would like it and nobody would speak up for them and the rules would go away uh, shortly. And I'm just uh, here to come clean. That uh, that was my opinion. And if this spring is any indication, boy, was I wrong. With me. Uh, we're talking about this the other day, that the minor leaguers last year, it was kind of thrust upon them right. uh, early in the season. And there were a lot of complaints and a lot of players grumbled about it. And I think there's a group pick there. I think the players got used to saying, oh, those speed-up rules. Sure. But major League players came into spring knowing that it was going to happen, prepared for it. It's gone really well. It's had the exact same effect. But everybody is saying, wow, this is great. And so even some of the players who played last year <laughs> are now like, this is great. These rules make so much sense. I don't know why we didn't do this before. So I, I think there is a uh, there's a group mentality about it. And baseball... Uh, so far, uh, I've heard nobody who's very serious about this is a bad thing. Okay. Well, I, I like it too. I'm, I'm really curious to see how it plays out in the regular season. But if if it looks the way I've seen so far, I'm, I'm very much uh, I'm very much on board with it. We got some sort of between innings promotion going on. I like the I like the sound of whatever they're doing a countdown. I can hear out on the field. Is that true? Uh, they are. They are. Uh, they have uh, these giant bubble uh, costumes. <laughs> and they put. They put two, uh, I don't know, ten-year-old kids, and have them run into each other and knock <laughs> each other down. So uh, there's quite a bit of gambling, uh, is my understanding. <laughs> well, um, maybe some solid contact being made. I guess final thought for you, kind of bringing this full circle, Phil. If we had to guess at this point, based on what you said at the start of the show, with maybe Kirilov not being ready, but presumably those other guys being ready for opening day do you have any preliminary idea of what you would think is kind of your your opening day starting nine and then how that lineup might look what Rocco might be thinking about how his best nine looks at the start of the year in order uh I mean that that is a state secret man uh, Rocco does not like talking about that um, yeah, I I'll say uh, well I'll say that uh uh Buxton and Kepler uh, seem to be on the days that Buxton is with the uh, seem to be uh, solid in their position. Uh, Joy Gallo will, will, I would expect, will get most of the at bats at in left field, but not if Kirilov is uh, is out at the beginning of the year. I, he uh, strikes me as the as the best first baseman against uh, against right-handed pitching. Just made a diving stop and. Uh, Got the out in the first inning here today. Uh, he 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 is as good uh, defensively as we've been uh, sold. Uh, uh, Correa Polanco in the middle, um, first base. We'll have to see. Um, Christian Vasquez is uh, the catcher, although uh, Ryan Jeffers has had a good spring right. as well. And Miranda, if his shoulder uh, is uh, healthy, uh, should be right in there. It really just like uh, was it last year, the year before, they come to camp without many questions about who plays where it's more about who's healthy and uh they seem much better suited to uh, adapt when somebody goes down when somebody gets injured they're they are playing guys all over the field if miranda's shoulder becomes a problem uh you know they now have solano they have kyle farmer right. um you know they they have all kinds of options at first base um you know i, I think they feel 
good about either Solano or Farmer at second base. And I haven't even mentioned Nick Gordon, who, you know, has played plenty of infield too. So um, I, I, I think the starting nine have been kind of a given going on. I would say that uh, Joey Gallo's ability to draw walks, to get on base, uh, I think Rocco's going to be real tempted to, to bat him lead off. Hmm. Uh, and just thinking that if he hits one out, Good for him, but uh, they uh, they like the way he uh, um, they like the way he uh, controls the strike zone. Uh, I might be uh, totally off base by about that, but he has tried it a few times, and uh, I think he uh, I think it brings back memories of uh, Kepler when he was going good uh, three yeah. or four years ago. Um, I would assume Correa will bat second. Uh, and then uh, Miranda uh, uh, Buxton, I mean, and uh, then probably uh, Miranda after that. Uh, you know, and then you get into who's playing that day. Kirilov would be a, a good five hitter if he's at first base that day. Vasquez has been a, a better hitter than I expect, although I would think that he'll be uh, eight or nine. Kepler in that seventh spot or so where. Uh, no, I've left out Polanco. We'll look yeah, at that. Polanco so, too. Yeah. So, so Polanco's going to be a three or four hitter. I, he's probably the uh, cleanup hitter if uh, Buxton bats third. So, um, so it's a it's a deep lineup when healthy, um, and you know it probably was last year too. We'll never know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, looking forward to it. I'm a little bit more optimistic i guess not 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 a lot's changed it's just when you see these guys actually in the field you kind of see how the depth is accumulated and you imagine if even with reasonable health it does look like a fairly deep you know guys that have done this before kind of uh kind of team so maybe some more optimism than i went into the off season with at this point they got to be feeling reasonably good about themselves right now yeah but uh you know of course they did last year too but yes. uh uh and Buxton got hurt. Was it the first road game of the season? Yes. So, uh, uh, you know, we all know what uh, spring means. But uh, Farmer has played well. Uh, Solano has played well. Uh, Nick Gordon is uh, seems healthy again, and uh, he gives them an element that that they don't have elsewhere. Um, you know, if if Kepler, who's hitting, I think, four hundred this spring, if he keeps hitting. Uh, what a think of all the pressure that takes off the lineup. If if uh, if he doesn't, you know, maybe uh, maybe he's gone in the middle of the season. Uh, maybe they finally find a trade partner, and we've got Trevor Larnock to step in or Matt Walner. Uh, it's it, it is. Uh, they think it, the days of uh, of reaching down to Double A uh, for emergency players uh, hopefully is over. Well, we'll see how it all shakes out. Phil Miller, appreciate it as always. Go get ready for Lavelle. It's a two- or three-day process to welcome Lavelle to Florida, so I hope you are uh, ready for that, and we'll we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, Mike. Good stuff from Phil. I feel like I'm kind of talking myself into this team. I haven't been feeling it for a few weeks, feeling a little bit more optimism about the Twins than I was feeling at the start of the offseason, certainly in August and September last year where they were fading. So we'll see. Where any of that gets us, like Phil said, it's just spring. We know that. It's fine. We can we can temper expectations while still looking at this roster and saying, man, got some depth at pitching. 
Got some depth in the lineup if the bullpen comes together. Feeling pretty good about the the, the one through nine and the one through five they're going to be putting out there this year. So we'll see. We'll see, but feeling more optimistic about this team than in the past. Let's finish with the cooler quickly. Bally Sports North parent company Diamond Sports filed for bankruptcy. That was predictable. Um, what's not predictable is what happens next. The bankruptcy filing came Tuesday night. Like, like I said, that was expected. We knew that was likely to happen because of um, them missing a debt payment earlier this month. But just this becoming um, this becoming official, here, here's, here's the upshot of it to me. Um, you know, Diamond has 19 networks under the Bally Sports banner. That, Im- that impacts 14 baseball teams, 16 NBA teams, and 12 NHL teams, including all three in, that, in, the, in, in this market, in those leagues. Now, nothing really seems to be you know, immediately impacted. It sounds like they've made all their payments to NBA and NHL teams, so this does not impact the Wilder Wolves in any way that I would imagine. Now, the Twins are a different story, especially going forward, but I wouldn't expect anything to be an immediate change. Um, now, here's here's the interesting thing that I thought was uh, from from the AP story. You know, the company is current on payments, like I said, to hockey and basketball teams. Reading from the AP story, but it might withhold payments from some baseball teams where it is trying to renegotiate a better deal. Now, now, Major League Baseball has set up a local media department in case it has to take over broadcasts for teams. Still reading from that story. Games would air locally via MLB Network or streamed on MLB.tv in case that happened. Um, MLB statement, end of the MLB statement that they issued Tuesday, I thought was interesting too. Um, now they're saying they're thinking everything will be you know, com- continuing on during the bankruptcy process, but they said over the long term we will reimagine our distribution model to address the changing media climate and ultimately reach an even larger number of fans. So my takeaway from this is kind of the same takeaway I've had for the last several months as this has been starting to play out. It's that I don't expect a ton to change right away, especially if you are a Bally Sports North viewer. But let's remember the Twins contract ends at the end of this season, at the end of the 2023 season. And it sounds like baseball is very determined to imagine a new model going forward. What that looks like, I'm not exactly sure, but I would say that think about the future and this will look a lot different and maybe some of these frustrations you've had with Bally Sports North over the years will dissipate because something different will be in place. I don't know what the economic model of that is. That remains to be seen, but the ball is rolling now with this bankruptcy filing. That will do it for today. Should have some good stuff coming up on Thursday's show. Planning to head over to the Gophers Pro Day um, over at their football complex today. Check out some of those guys. Maybe have some of them on the podcast tomorrow. Also hoping to stop by Gophers Women's Hockey Access as well while I'm over there. So that uh, that could be a, a feature of Thursday's podcast as well. Thanks again so much for listening today. I'm Michael Rand. Back at it again tomorrow.